this is Stacey Reagan and Michael Doyle bringing you All Things Central 301. Welcome to our podcast, The 301. How you doing today, Michael? Very well. I'm glad to be back after a bout of a very nasty cold bug. Yeah, you had a really bad one. Please make sure we disinfect uh, microphones after we're done here. Everything is always disinfected, right? Very good. All right. So today in the studio, we have a local celebrity in her own right. Right across from us, it's very interesting. Uh, we have Adina the Comfort Dog, who's sitting right over here. And we also have Adina's handler, Shar Farron. Welcome to the 301. Thanks for inviting us. You bet. So I am really appreciative of you taking the time to sit with us today. I know I asked your husband a few weeks ago to sit down because you guys are such a fixture here mm-hmm. at the high school. I mean, you're here quite a bit, and the, the kids really expect to see Adina um, every other Tuesday. So let's just start with telling our listeners how old Adina is and what breed of dog. Okay, Adina is nine years and nine months old, and she is a purebred golden retriever, which means even at nine years old, she still has plenty of energy. Yes, I had a golden retriever. His name was Cody, and I mm. loved him, and they're the best dogs. They yes. really are. They're good for, you know, the temperament you know, for something like this because they're so sweet. Absolutely. Lutheran Church Charities, which is the organization that has trained her, only uses golden retrievers. Oh, interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is that Adina actually does? Okay. Because I'm from a different building and I see her around, but I I don't know what's going on. Okay. What Adina is trained to do is to be a calming influence to anyone. Anyone she meets, anywhere we are invited, she is to be gentle, calm, accepting, loving. The idea is for a comfort dog to make people feel good, make them smile, give them a moment of comfort. And that's what she does here at Central. In fact, I had a a teacher mention to me, how can she sleep with all this noise at the lunchroom? It doesn't matter. Wherever we are, she will behave this very same way. And that's her job. Absolutely. Her job is to always be under control, calm, sweet, and accepting. And, and you do notice the demeanor of the kids change. You know, when they come up to Adina and if, you know, staff or students are having a stressful day or, you know, we've had, you know, a tragic event happen mm-hmm. or something, she definitely gives that comforting feeling just by being next to her even if it's just a smile right that kids get out of it oh absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely like I s- little kids I'll s- they'll say oh what does she do I said Adina brings smiles and I'll say is it working and you look around and they d- they're, they're all smiling, smiling. yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely how did you become involved with uh, therapy dogs okay now Adina is um, a Lutheran Church Harry comfort dog which means she is much more highly trained than a therapy dog oh she this has been her entire life she was selected at four weeks started training how with do the they best. know at four weeks if a dog is going to be able to do this that's that is, really incredible that is amazing what they do is the Lutheran Church charity people go to the breeder and at four weeks they will take each puppy and put them upside down in their hand if the puppy moves or wiggles they will not even try to train them what that means is the dog has to have a calm nature they're going to be active because golden retrievers are yeah. active, right. but they have to be calm. And then the training with the vest starts at eight weeks, and they're trained for a year to a year and a half. And then they are placed in churches, and also some have been placed in schools. Um, 
grade schools, high schools, and um, colleges. And then it is the our obligation, our ministry, to take them out into the public wherever we are invited. So when our church decided to get a comfort dog, I volunteered to be a handler. And so does Adina live with you? Then Adina also has to have um, primary uh, caregivers. My husband and I are also her primary caregivers, which means she lives with us. But then we also have two other families in the church that are also trained that are backup caregivers, that if for some reason we're not going to be around, she can stay with them because she has a laundry list of rules that she has to follow even when she's not working. Really? Like what kind of rules? That's interesting. Okay. A real, um, I shouldn't say real, but a service dog. Well, Adina is not a service dog. She is trained to the same level. So anyway, in the house... She is never allowed on furniture. She is not allowed in the kitchen when I'm cooking. She is to be out of the kitchen. When we eat, she is to be in a down. Jeez, I wish yeah. my dogs <laughs> did that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> Let me tell you. There are terrors in They're my house. Sitting there drooling, right? No. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it is amazing. And then um, she's not allowed to bark. If she ever does bark, we are to correct her. She is not allowed to roughhouse with humans. She can mm. roughhouse with dogs, but she is never to roughhouse with a human because we never want her to think that that is an acceptable interaction with a human. Okay. Very interesting. So one of the things that's, that's kind of popular in the news that we've seen the last couple of years is this idea of people bringing everything from peacocks to to uh, uh, hedgehogs to God knows one on an airplane, right? Yes. So, uh, and I, I'm not sure that you can even answer this question, but I was curious. What's the difference between a therapy animal, service animal, I think we've talked about, mm. and an emotional support animal? I think those are very different things, right? Good question. Yes. Therapy dogs, um, anyone can take their dog through training and have it be a therapy dog. That I know. And, and what can a therapy dog do if they're trained? Is that like they can go to a nursing home to correct that they kind of thing? Same with a therapy dog, like a comfort dog, anywhere they would be invited to go. Okay. Now, emotional support animals, I'm not as familiar with. However, we do encounter them regularly. Like, um, their one facility we go into, they have an emotional support chicken. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think emotional support. Animals I've have to be trained. Yeah. Right. There's no training. Like I think you can just go online and apply for a certificate, mm-hmm. and it's an emotional support cause animal. Because how are you going to train a chicken? Yeah, really? or a you peacock know? or a llama. Correct. Yeah. Now, Adina, legally, she is not a service dog, but since we only take her where she is invited, oh, we've okay. never had an issue. Oh, okay. okay. So service dogs are more of those Yes. that actually... Maybe indicate if someone is going to have a seizure or right. is... Perform a service for an individual. Okay. Comfort dogs, Lutheran Church area comfort dogs, are trained to help anyone, not just the one person. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Um, so what kind of... I think you kind of talked a little bit about the training involved with Adina. Mm-hmm. So it started at a very young age with her and then you guys kind of take over at about a year year and a half and and take her in is there ongoing training that has to happen yes we have to work with her on a daily basis 
to make sure that we reinforce those commands because just like any uh, well a kid let's say you know yeah they learn something but then you don't enforce it or reinforce it they can forget it she right. could have forgotten every command she ever learned if we did not work with her so when we're out in the public we have to make sure she's always behaving when we're at home but then we also work with other people from lutheran church charities and they observe her and make sure that she is behaving to their standards because their symbol is on the vest and sure. they, right. they have certified the dogs but i'll tell you the biggest problem is with the people yeah the handlers have to be the ones that are consistent well it's a commitment i know my my son did agility with uh one of our border collies years ago and i mean it is a commitment it is every day you're working <coughs> excuse me i just mm -hmm. uh you're working with the dogs um it and it takes time and patience yes, yes. and number one consistency yes that's why every handler has to follow the same commands and every handler has to have the same level of expectation of the dog so the dog will know what to do and know what to expect well it's just like taking your dog through any kind of training if you don't continually reinforce it will not remember sit commands and stay commands right. except Absolutely. this is to a level that it, it takes a lot of commitment. And, oh, uh, and absolutely. Yeah, it's a huge I think what commitment. we've done is amazing. Yeah. And to give you an idea, one of her commands is settle, S-E-T-T-L-E, and that is for her to calm down. Herself down. Yes. So, I mean, that's a lot more than just sit, stay, right. whatever. It's um, for her, she has to learn to control her emotions. But as most of you guys have seen when you've observed her, she is very well in control of her emotions. Yes, she yeah. is. She's always a good girl. She lays on her rug in the commons, yep. and the kids come up, and she gets excited to see that. I'm, you know, she's happy. She's happy, yes, yes, but she is under control. Yes, for sure. Number one. So is there a place where folks can find out more information about Adina? Absolutely. And let's see if I can get a card out, because I have the website for Lutheran Church Charities. Well... And Adina has her own Facebook page, doesn't she? She has her own Facebook page. Oops. That's fantastic to have uh, followers on Facebook for a, uh, She's a, famous. a supporting animal. Yeah. Yes, and Instagram. Okay. Instagram, well, too. Fantastic. What, are, what are her accounts on Facebook and Instagram? Well, I am pulling out her card so I can read it all to you guys. Okay, Facebook. It just is Adina Comfort Dog. A-D-E-E-N-A, -E -E Comfort Dog. Then we go on Instagram. It is then the initials L-C-C-K-9-Adina. And also um, there is the website for all the Comfort Dogs where you can go on and see pictures of all of them as well as videos of the puppies in training. Oh. If okay. you want to smile check out the puppy training videos and it is www.k9comfort.org awesome thank you very much for coming in today uh what an amazing experience to have adina here as well as you and to learn a little bit about some of the differences between all of these things we hear 
and to see how amazingly well-behaved this animal is and how much comfort she can give everyone. So thank you very much for coming in. Yeah, thanks a lot, Char. Well, thank you both, and thank you to everyone at District 301 for allowing Adina to be here. You bet. Okay, folks, stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. Well, we get a chance to do all kinds of neat things and meet neat people and learn about really fun projects. Yes, I like hosting this podcast because we really learn about what's happening in our district and we get to meet and interview our talented teachers, but more importantly, our talented students. And this segment is no exception at all. Today in the studio, we have Maya Key and her father, Reggie Key. So welcome. Thank you. Hi, everybody. So Maya... We hear that you are actually a published author. Why don't you tell? Yeah. Why don't you tell our audience the title of your book and what it's about? The Colorblind Justice League is about four superheroes who want to bring color into the world and two villains who want to take it out. That is really interesting. Um, Your author name is Paige Turner because when I looked for your book, and I couldn't find Maya Key, and then I saw Paige Turner. I was like, hmm. But is that your author name? Yes. And how did you come up with that? My dad came up with it, and he is a wordsmith. A wordsmith? I like that. That's his official title, Dad <laughs> Wordsmith. I like that. And he came up with it because it's, this book is a real Paige Turner and Paige Turner. I love it. I think that's so clever. Um, well, you know, I think I told you before we started, I'm an English teacher, so I think this is so cool that you write books and you're interested in writing and reading, and I'm just kind of wondering, you said your book is about uh, the colorblind justice, and it's about superheroes who want to bring color into the world. What inspired you to write this book? Where did, where did you get the idea from? Well, I really liked color, and my brother had already written a book. So, yeah. So you just kind of thought about colors and um, do you like art and yes. drawing? And so like how color is brought into the world and, you know, what would happen if we take color out of it? Yes. So what I remember is uh, we had her in Young Rembrandt's here at the school for oh, a couple of years. Right. right, yep. Because she showed an interest with, with drawing early on. Um, when, when I came out with my second book and my son came out with his first at the same time and we were being interviewed, um, the 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 person asked us about our our what we do as a family, and she was like, "Well, I write books too," and but she wasn't even she hadn't even learned her ABCs yet, and so I was like, "Well, Maya, you haven't really learned your letters." And she's like, "No, but really, look, Daddy," and she had folded uh, an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper in half, a couple of them, stapled them together, and it was an illustration book. All illustrations, sure. there you all go. Drawings. That's the beginning stage of the literacy. And that was the beginning. Yeah. 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 yeah very cool. Very cool. All right, so I want to ask, what is it you like about writing? What do you like about writing? I like that I can say things without actually having to say them. That's interesting because, especially through illustrations, you can convey a lot through, um, through a story like that, can't you? Yeah, I like that answer. One of the things I used to do in my history classroom was I would have kids keep their own notebooks, and for each chapter that we studied, they would have to create a cover, and they couldn't use any words. 
So they had to tell the story of what they learned in images only. So images are very powerful. Images, we've always heard pictures, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words, at least a thousand words, right? There's so many things you can say with images. Um, let me ask you one other question. What do you like about creating your own books? That they're mostly illustration books and I really like to draw. You like to draw. And you did say that you and your dad kind of work together on the drawings, right? Yeah. You want to explain that a little bit, like how that works? Well, we took, I, I drew the pictures and he like scanned them into the laptop and we colored them digitally. So it's all like on the on the computer? Yeah. And then he kind of like um, does his magic on the computer to kind of make them come alive in a book. That is so cool. So, Reggie, you, you had mentioned that you're a published author. I am. And that your oldest son is a published author as well. He's in sixth grade. He's in sixth grade. Right. And I think parents listening out there, what what is it that you're doing <laughs> in your family? You know, as a parent, how are how are you encouraging this creativity with your with your kids? Because it's really something special. Thanks. So, one thing that I've been saying recently is I don't force. This I reinforce it. Is a oh, difference. I like that. Yeah, yeah, there is a difference, right? I've never told them, like, "Hey, look, I'm an author, so you guys have to be an author." I think it'd be a really cool thing. I just lay it by example, but then I also notice what their what their strengths were and try to to encourage them. I'm a, I'm a motivational speaker as well, so one of the messages that they hear all the time when I because sometimes when I go to after school programs, I have to take them with me. Sure. And my main workshop is about the fact that we all have inherent genius on the inside of us it just takes different forms and different types yeah. it's not right. just like a einstein he was one type of genius and the, the workshop focuses on your genius is a combination of your passion your talent and your purpose, purpose. and so yep. the talent piece is generational though and we see that with musicians we see that yeah. with athletes and well, we think that for it's, sure it's right there yep. but no it's it's in all of us it's inherent in all of us so when i began telling them hey like my daughter said i'm a wordsmith and i began talking to my son i'm like you're probably a wordsmith too and so we, we sat down and said well what can a wordsmith do well he can be a poet because that's why i started writing he can be an author he can be a screenplay writer yeah and yep. then my, my son said he can be a comedian daddy i think i want to be a comedian sure he can write jokes right he can write jokes yep. because that's all about wordplay it is it's all about wordplay right and so in telling in him saying that though i didn't i didn't silence him because you know if a parent hears that a typical stereotypical parent would say no don't do that you're not gonna be a comedian you can't do anything you can't like make that. money yeah exactly you're not gonna make any money at that I did you're not, not living on my couch till you're four. Right. No, I said, hey, let's go explore that. Let's go to the library and get some jokes on how to tell books. Yeah, yeah. So unbeknownst to me, he took those books and started writing after the model of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Okay. And when I came to, to school one day to help with his classroom, all of his friends told me, Mr. Key, look, your son has these books. I, I had no idea. Yeah. And I looked at them and guess what? They were rife with humor. It was just humor. And Very it, cool. It, it, was, it was genuinely making me laugh. And at that point, I was like, we got something here. He had four manuscripts. I said, hey, how would you like to bind these into one book and publish them when I published my second book? And he was over the moon about it. That is so awesome. Yeah, we just had to change the name because he called it Diary of a Wimpier Kid, and I didn't want to get sued. Oh, so <laughs> we changed that. Okay. And then she, she was watching this the whole time like, hmm. Yeah, it's that leading by example. It's that fostering their... Creativity and encouraging. Well, I, and the, son used to, in fact, we were just cleaning out bins and stuff, and he used to write volumes of when he was your age, Maya. And 
And it was just really neat for him to kind of go back and look at it. And he still writes today. Yeah. He does it on his iPhone and his notes, which I don't understand. <laughs> but mm-hmm. he is a writer, but he saw me, you know, as an English teacher doing a lot of that. And so it's that well, not pushing it. I, you know, like you, I didn't know he had volumes and volumes of things written. So. I think the key thing is you talk about passion, right? Because the hard work is a lot easier when you have a passion for it. Yeah, and we yeah. do know that hard work is a big part of it, it is. right? So the passion makes that hard work seem a whole lot easier because you feel an internal purpose, yep. right? Right. And that's, right? Exactly. And that's, that's what gets it done. And she's yeah. learning this at a, at, a, at a young age, too, because, you know, she saw us going to these book fairs and everything. She thought it was cool. And we went to the, the, um, the Lit Fest this year. We were invited to go to the, the, the Chicago Printers Row Lit Fest. Oh, okay, oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so I we were selling our books down there. And she, she had she had a chance to see the other side now, and, and I had to get that passion in her a little bit because she was like, do I have to be on all the time? Because we had, like, rainbow wings for her. And, she, and I was like, yeah, now I welcome to the other side of yeah, marketing, the marketing and, and all this other type of things. And, yeah, the things that authors have to do. Right. And that's, yeah. a, that's a good point, being on all the time, right? Yeah. Yep. On stage. You have to be that... Whatever that character is, it's representing the book, right? Page you got to be, mm-hmm. you got to be Page Turner, right? So I told her today, even coming into this interview, I was like, I know you answered these questions before. Please say them with some enthusiasm. But be like, uh, here we go again, right? You have to, you have to answer it as if it's the first time you're hearing it because it's the first time that you, you guys are hearing it, yeah. right? And you want to get your, and you want to get your message out to the world, right? Yeah, for sure. Yes. <laughs> All right, so. A lot of people are wondering about the process of publishing. How do you guys go about publishing a book? What, what kind of steps do we got to follow to be a published author? Sure. The, the season, we live in a time now where everything is within arm's reach of whatever you want to do. Um, if you look at the, the industry, the taxi industry used to be you know, kind of hands-off, but now you have Lyft, now you have... Uh, Uber, which allows pretty much anybody that, that gets a pass, a, you know, a background check it's, to come in and do it. It's definitely instant gratification. Yeah. Like, I need an answer right now, kind of. Right. That's yeah. that's where we are Society. now. Um, and it's a good place because, there, to me, there's no excuse. If you have anything that you want to write, um, Amazon. And my wife had to remind me that she said Amazon started off as just, they sold books. Just books, right. Focused on. Now they're in everything. But what they have now is an arm called Kindle Direct Publishing. It used to be called Create Space. Okay. And so as I began to, to figure out how to get my book out there, I began to talk to some of my friends who actually have published on books, and they led me to Create Space. And so it's, it's just a simple matter of forming a manuscript, knowing when to end that manuscript. That's important. And then, you know, having somebody who can, you know, storyboard. I've been teaching her about storyboards. Awesome. We use storyboards all the time when yeah. we work with kids uh, with video projects yeah. and podcasts. As you come up and see me in middle school, You'll absolutely see storyboards. We do it all the time. So you'll have you'll have a huge Maybe head start on that. Maybe she's gonna roll her eyes at you when when you suggest it. <laughs> <laughs> when I first told her, like this is what you number do. one storyboard. Yeah. yeah. So once we get that, then it gets into the editing and grammar, which I do because I've had to, I've had this experience, <laughs> and then just it's a matter of you know uploading it into into Create Space or now um, Kindle Direct Publishing and just working within that system. To, to see your book through from start to finish, make sure the margins are right. They, they have a lot of the inherent components already set up within oh, cool. CreateSpace. I, I don't know why I keep resor- resorting back to CreateSpace, but within Kindle Direct Publishing. Kindle Direct Publishing. It's that very user-friendly. Really, oh, cool. Um, so, Maya, I have one last question for you. Okay. All right. So, you're in third grade, which is even more impressive that you do this. Um, what advice do you have for kids who might want to write books like you do? Um, 
Maybe you should think of an idea for like a topic. Okay. And then write like a little paperback book, like I did, and then just go from there. So just kind of have your idea, obviously storyboard. <laughs> Do some storyboarding, but also like maybe not be afraid to try it, right? Yeah, because look at you. You're a published author, and it's a great experience for you. Right? Correct. If I could add one thing. Sure. I look for other, this is a family affair, but I look for other authors that are their age because I know they're out there. One key indicator that somebody is a potential author is that they're an avid reader. Yes, because they go hand-in-hand. Hand. Yeah, my son got bored with reading. He was like, I don't know what to do now. So he said, I'll just make up my own stories. Yep. And so when I look at it, one of his friends was an avid reader. When he came back, when my son came back in fourth grade with his published book, his friend was like, well, I was writing with you like last year in third grade. I talked to his parents, and we got that that young man to get his book published as well. Very cool. And so yeah, I'm looking throughout the school district like, okay, who, who else can I identify through my workshops that's an avid reader, and I can talk to the parents because I want to arm a nation of young authors that can really put us in and distinguish this region and this school district from other school districts and say, hey, look, look what we're doing. And I love we're it. publishing authors. Yeah, yeah that's I great. Love it. I love it. All right. So uh, let me ask you this question, Reggie. Where can folks who are interested purchase the book? All of our books are on Amazon.com, but then also we have a web, our, our business that governs and, and is the umbrella for this endeavor is Inc., well spoken so you can go to inkwellspoken.com and purchase the books there so i n k i n k okay i love it yep yep and then like i said amazon as well uh, my books are also on lulu.com which is another um it's another self-publishing website but by and large amazon and ink well spoken are the places to go okay well that's all the time we have for our interview today uh we want to thank our guests for coming in uh, thank you, Maya. You're welcome. Thank you, Reggie. Thank you. And once again, the name of the book is? Colorblind Justice. Awesome, very much. And we can find it where? Inkwellspoken.com and Amazon.com. All right, folks, stick around. We'll be right back in just a few minutes with a couple of doctors who are going to chat with us about another author. segment for episode six and we have a definite superstar teacher with us today whom I'm very excited to chat with. I worked with her on our subject area committee teams and um, she's an ELA teacher. And, and, I, and long, long, long way back story. Yeah. Former basketball coach. Oh, I right? did not know that yes. about her. Melissa and I coached basketball together for a couple years. Yeah. And, way back when. And I'm definitely feeling the brain power considering um, she is now a doctor. Doctor, yes. Yes. So So today we have, uh, from Prairie Knowles Language Arts Department, seventh grade, Dr. Melissa Leisner. Welcome to the 301. Thank you. Fun to be here with you guys. You bet. So recently, Prairie Knowles Middle School students had the opportunity to meet, um, learn from, and ask questions of author Jasmine Warga. How did you meet Jasmine, and how did you set up her visit to Prairie Knowles? Uh, how did that 
you know, take place. First of all, what book did she write? So she's written a few books, but her most recent book that had just come out, I'd say towards the end of the last school year, is titled Other Words for Home, and it's a novel in verse. Oh, okay. Yes. Very, and students love the novels in verse. Did did our students read that in the curriculum, or did you do some things with it? So it came out, like I said, towards the end of the last school year, and this is actually an interesting, very quickly booked author visit, which doesn't typically happen. So literally at the very end of the year last year, the entire ELA department here at Prairie Knolls were sitting down and having a meeting and talking about the desire to come up with another common text that we could do with our kiddos because they really have enjoyed when we've done that in the past when we have our 9-11 read-alouds where we cross over. And so we wanted to do something like that, but different enough that it would feel different for the kids who had already done that in sixth grade. So I just casually mentioned that I had recently read this first novel and I really liked it. And a couple of them said, well, let's give that a shot. So I follow the author on Twitter and I private messaged her and she responded immediately and said, I, I have a lot of openings next year in my author visit schedule. Reach out to the Author Village. That's the company I go through who books all of my things for me. So I did that. So a lot of this was really kind of pulled together over the summer. The other wow. ELA, yes, the other ELA teachers read the book to make sure that we all agreed that it would be a good fit for this age and that it would work as a read-aloud book because there's plenty of amazing books out there, but they're not all going to work with that kind of a delivery format. So it did. And verse is probably something that we don't touch on a great deal in ELA. I, at least I know from my experience at the high school, like, you know, poetry was always kind of one of those things, like, if I can get to it, we'll get to it. You know, in American Lit, you definitely hit it. But um, so having, you know, given, given those uh, experiences to kids in middle school is um, really powerful, especially, you know, hitting that poetry. I would agree. We talk a lot about the structure and the format with it, and we do other things with it, especially in seventh grade, and they have an opportunity to do a piece of creative writing in which they format it in that verse mm -hmm. style. And so we talk about how it's funny that people who don't know a lot about that or haven't read books in that format will just make the assumption that it's going to have less depth right. and because it's less words. When quite frankly, I feel like authors of a verse formatted story have almost a harder job because you're still creating depth to your storyline and your characters, but you have to do it with brevity and concision because you can't have an overabundance of words. And, and so you, some don't, you structure. don't have 200 pages, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. And, and, and there's definitely some structure to it. It's not that, you know, free verse, you just, you know, dribble on a, a page. There There is some structure with stress and unstressed syllables and... You know, Definitely. going not to get too geeky and ELA on you there, Mike. <laughs> well, but I think what the cool part about the whole thing is, is how social media played a role in it, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Ten years ago, this would not have, it would have been much harder to, to make this work out. And now we all have these connections via connections, via other connections to people that we probably never Twitter would have. Twitter is a great place for teacher PD. Oh, absolutely. Totally. It's everywhere, right? Yeah. And and it's a great way for, for not just, you know, the, 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 well, uh, what did you do on this lesson? But just kind of a sounding board on just back and forth ideas to help improve little things, right? It, it truly is. It's the only social media platform I'm on, which I know I definitely have people who give me a hard time for that. But I have gotten so many interesting, cool ideas for the classroom from there. And yep. actually, the author continued to message with me over the summer and would private message me and send me links for various articles because I would reach out to her and ask, you know, 
Is there certain research that you have that you pulled on when you wrote your book? Because we really wanted both sixth and seventh grade to make sure our kids had a better understanding of the conflict in Syria, since that is what her story is centered around. And the idea of, you know, what does that look like and feel like when your home, the only home you've ever known, is no longer safe and you have to leave and you have no choice. And so we wanted our kids to have not only an understanding of the conflict in Syria, but even more importantly than that, we hit a lot of the fact that just because this is all we know of Syria, because this is what is publicized in the news, Syria has not only ever been this dangerous, conflict-filled part of the world. And it used to be right. very beautiful and right. rich in culture. So we really and were history. Absolutely. And yep. we were very intentional about that as well. So I think it was a really good experience for them in many ways. So you did touch on this a little bit. Um, especially what you want the students to get out of this, but what, what do you think was the focus that you wanted the author to kind of push? What was her message directly to the kids? Well, in corresponding back and forth with her and then the, comp- the author Bunky Company, they said specifically to this book, when she speaks about this book, part of her message is the importance of empathy and trying. So really hitting those SEL Absolutely. skills. Very cool. Yes. And so she started with, you know, a little bit of her writing process and her life growing up and, you know, little snippets of names of people in the book, how she drew on like family members of her own. But so much of it was about the importance of empathizing with others who might deal with situations so different from our own, but how can we use those as ways to connect with people? Well, and just trying to see that other side of anyone else, right? Right. It is is very easy to judge on the surface because you see someone with that or someone who said that or someone who does that without understanding, right, we all have baggage. W- what is that other side that led to that, right? Yeah, and right. and, and that, that whole idea of empathy is so important for mm-hmm. kids, right, to try to get them to understand. As Atticus Finch said, the trick to getting along with people is walking in their shoes. That's right. What a great quote from a wonderful piece of literature, right. Stacey. Yes. Yeah. One thing I love that she did talk about is she tied it to 9-11, and she had asked us prior to her speaking if the kids knew about 9-11, would they have the because background? Because they, they weren't, weren't born. born, which is crazy. Right, they have no idea. It is, right. yes. And they did have background because we do hit it, obviously, in school. And she said because of the 9-11 attacks, ever since then there has been so much uh, misunderstanding about Muslims and Arabs and yeah. their whole culture and how it's such an easy, unfortunate association with violence and war. And terrorism. Exactly. And so she talked a lot about how that is not at all what that faith is about, which I think was another important message, especially in the day and age that we're living in. So so I used to do a um, presentation for sixth graders um, and fifth graders at one point on ancient Egypt, right? Because I've been lucky enough to be have gone to Egypt three different times. Well, and you were even scheduled to teach. Right. My first teaching job was in Egypt. Was in Cairo. And um it is very interesting that you would think, especially post 9-11, right, there's this hatred and there's this, you know, dislike for Americans and Western culture. And, and to the average person, that's not the case whatsoever. They, they love to sit down. Um, the, the people that I, I, I talk to in Egypt, they love to sit down and share a cup of tea with you and have a conversation. And they want to know. Right. Because I, I tell the story all the time. The perspective that they had of America was when, when they asked me where I was from and I said America, they said, no, no, where in America? I would say Chicago and and they would want to know about Al Capone and Michael Jordan. Right. <laughs> I, I, that sounds silly, but they were so interested because their their information was so limited of the West that they were truly interested and wanted to have these great conversations. 
and that does not come across in our culture in the West at all. No, isn't right? wasn't Michael Jordan at one time the most famous face on the planet? Pro, yeah, I, I would so. imagine, right? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think he was. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so, you guys had the the author come in and. What did you guys do as an ELA department um, to kind of get the kids to do a meaningful, reflective um, writing piece with this? So going into her talk, obviously I knew I was going to want them to do something to reflect on this, and I feel like writing about it and then giving them some time in class for those who wanted to share what they had written. So I actually just pulled out some snippets of things that she shared in her talk while she was talking I took some screenshots of her some of her slides and shared some of that and we typed something up and kind of just gave them a blurb of you know bullet points of things that she either said or some of the information from her slides like the bigger takeaways and said you can include some of these in your reflection but the overall purpose of it was beyond the book like taking it away from the book what was her message just in general to Mm -hmm. people and how we should interact with others and how could we use that moving forward in our interactions with people and I was truly blown away with what some of my kids said and what they talked about and not only in their willingness to admit how they have unfairly judged people because yeah, of what they implicit see bias right, mm-hmm. right and a lot of them even talked about how they wanted to approach their interactions with other people who are different from them differently because of what the author shared with them which to me was such a huge that if you can get that if kids can see yeah. not just especially w- seventh graders right to be that reflective and introspective is, yes yeah pretty powerful well and, was. and what right we know our district is becoming more and more culturally diverse every day right right this is not burlington of 20 years ago no right when we for when we were all here and way yeah. back when right we we have I, I would be something like 18 or 20 different languages are spoke from our. Is it I, more I than think that? over 20 different right. languages are spoken in from our district right, now, that are, which that is are a, incredible. That is right. incredible. And, and of course, 20 years ago, that would have been two, three. Right. If that. Two. two right. Yeah. Or yeah. we didn't even have enough kids to qualify for an for ELL program. program. Right. So, true. Yeah. so, yeah. All right. So I know we kind of covered this, but what was the one thing that before this all happened that you were hoping kids would take from the author's visit? Was it something about the writing process? Was it more about the message? What was the one thing that you were hoping before it all started? I think because we knew that empathy was going to be part of her talk, that she had planned on that, that would have been the biggest takeaway for me. Much as it's wonderful to listen to an author talk about their writing process, and it is, and that's a, a strong academic takeaway for them, but I feel like more thinking about those SEL components and raising them to not just be academically strong, but social and emotionally healthy and able to relate and connect with other people, I really wanted them to pull on that empathy piece and to relate that into their life. And it really helps sometimes, we know as teachers, it helps sometimes, there are times when the kids tune us out, right? They see us every day. It's nice to have a guest speaker come in, right? We say guest speaker, but it's nice to have an author come in to talk about that process and the meaning, Yes. right? That that they tune us out because they get us 180 to five days a year right they get that person once right all right so last question kind of a quick fire here let's go around the table and who's your favorite author and or book or what are you currently reading so dr (laughs) leisner favorite 
author. That's tough. Can I give you three? Sure. Three authors who I think. And we won't point out the shirt you're wearing today either. We won't because okay. that's not even going to make my list, believe it or not. That's amazing, right? <laughs> yep. So the she three, has a Gryffindor sweatshirt on, just saying. Of course she does. She has a mild Harry Potter obsession. <laughs> so the three authors who I think, young adult authors on the scene writing books that shed an important light on issues now that kids need to be thinking about and talking about, Nick Stone, author of Dear Martin and her most recent oh, book, mm-hmm. Jackpot, fantastic themes woven in. And yeah. we're doing we're doing an eighth grade thing with Dear Martin over at CMS. Yeah. It is such a powerful book. I can't keep them on my shelf. I must have five copies in my library, and they just go from hand to hand. Yeah. Angie Thomas, author of The Hate You Give. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. On mm-hmm. the Come Up, loved her. And Samara Ahmed. Her first book was Love, Hate, and Other Filters, and oh, her mm-hmm. most recent, Internment. Again, mm. shedding a light on issues that we have right now in our world, in our society, in our own country that we need to talk about if we want to make changes with them. Yeah. And and kind of get brushed aside, right? There's so, look, there's so much going on in the news right now <laughs> that the real issues just seem to be swept under the carpet, right? Because we're, we're talking about things that, that... Well, it's just so overwhelming because right. so much is thrown at you all right. the time. Every day For there's sure. so much, right? There, every right. day there's so much. All right, my... Okay, asking an English teacher and former <laughs> librarian what... It's not fair for you to only get one. My book is, um, is very difficult, probably... One of my favorite teaching uh, novels, weirdly, is The Scarlet Letter. I, I don't know what it is about The Scarlet Letter and Hester Prynne. Maybe, you know, to me, she was the original single mom um, and had to fight society, you know. But I think probably my favorite book in the last few years that I've read is Andy Weir's The Martian, just because I found the character... Um, of Mark Watney to be funny he overcame so much adversity and trying to survive and did it with humor and so I really appreciated that book okay I have two things I'm reading currently um, uh, fi- my favorite books are, are some hi- uh, this will shock you history books <laughs> um, and there there are a ton of good history books out there that have fun facts that we never learn anywhere that have in two pages the greatest stuff. I, I've, I have a book called Horrible Histories, and it comes out of London, and it, it's it's based. Uh, they developed a whole TV show around it, but it's got these great stories about history that are two or three pages long. Um, another one, you know, uh, history in 101 nutshells, but you know, it, it gives you a page and a half on a historic event, and it, it it's enough to hook kids into history. So I use those things every day. Uh, currently, I'm reading The First Conspiracy by Brad Metzler. Um, and that's all about um, a conspiracy against George Washington. Oh. So it's really fun. And then I'm also reading another book, and I cannot remember the name of the author, but it's about the trial of Lizzie Borden. Oh, oh yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And it gets all the way into the actual like transcripts of the trial. And, and it's, it's so interesting because, you know, on the surface, you're convinced Lizzie Borden did it, right? That she was the one who murdered her parents, the hatchet murder in 1892. And then... The more you look at it, and the more you read, boy, it's it's the evidence just isn't there, right? Mm. It's the more you read, it's not Lizzie, or maybe it is, or maybe it's not, because it keeps going back and forth. And I think at the end, you're kind of looking at it, going, boy, I, I just don't think she could have done it. So those are the couple things that I'm I'm totally into and love reading right now. Nice, I like a book that makes you question and wonder back and forth. Yeah, that's I always find that kind of fun. 
So uh, that's it for episode six of season two of the 301. We'd like to thank our all of our guests, and in particular our guest here in segment three, Dr. Melissa Leisner. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be coming back in a week or so with episode seven of season two. And we'd like to thank you for listening to the 301. Yep. Thanks a lot.